you unlock this benefit with the key of Patreon. Beyond is another dimension. A dimension of thought. A dimension of speculation. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both waffle and substance. Of things and ideas. You've just crossed into the podcast zone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to your ongoing Twilight journey. As always, I'm your host, Scott Weatherly, and I am joined by my Twilight partner, Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? You okay? Uh, I'm doing great. I just uh, tuned in from the Twilight Zone, so... <laughs> it's all, yeah, it's all there in the fifth dimension <laughs> over there. All five of them. Uh, so we are ch- continuing our journey right now, and we are up to episode nine, uh, per chance to dream... Um, so, Jim, let's get straight into this. What were your thoughts on this? Then? Perchance to dream uh, the story of a man who cannot sleep for fear of being killed in his dreams. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the imagery of like the roller coaster and of, of the carnival and stuff in his dream. But I thought that this was the weakest episode of the series so far. And yeah. I will note that it was not written by Rod Serling. Um, I feel the same. It was it was it was one of those episodes where I kept waiting for something to happen. I'm like, okay, I get this is going to happen. Then this is obviously all about the reveal mm-hmm. uh, at the end. This is the reveal being that uh, you know, and obviously spoilers if you listen to this, but basically it turns out the whole thing's a dream. Um, and it felt a bit like I don't know if there's just sort of like you know, sixty years worth of continued pop culture sort of gone well yes we've seen this before a thousand times if it's all a dream and then this other stuff so it, yeah this one didn't hit me um like some of the other ones had done um yeah and that even that reveal doesn't you know it's it doesn't really make sense because the whole idea is that he's dreaming sequentially that his dreams continue each other and that's why he's right park and it's right that back with you know mara i think her name is mm. um and that you know she is actually the secretary okay but you've been dreaming this before you came to the psychiatrist's office and then we're supposed to believe that you know in i mean i guess it's that i mean i guess we can believe that he is at the psychiatrist's office and that everything we've seen previously of his sequential dreams was not actually sequential at all which then takes the mystery out i mean i'm not sure what we're supposed to believe at the end there i, I don't know it's like the reveal of the secretary so like, is she supposed to be in, in, in any of the context she'd be like oh so she's like a dream demon like she's like freddy krueger like she's the one that's doing this <laughs> to him but there's none of that like it's just not explained it's just so it just so happens that this this figure this female that is woman that he dreams about looks like the secretary like there's nothing else to, there's nothing to explain it <laughs> But not just explain it. I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind it not being explained. But I at least want some indication of what it's about. Like, you know, some sort of um, something to give me some steer to say, yes, she directed this. This was you know, she was designed to do mm. this like, in an inception kind of way or something. But there's nothing. It just sort of. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's just a, like a Wizard of Oz thing. Like, you know, I saw her and so I put her in the dream. But. But then, you know, there's the whole thing of, like, will he or won't he jump? And then he jumps mm. out the the window. And then, you, you know, you find out that he, all of this was sort of a dream. And it does do that inception thing of sort of, like, one second in a dream might actually be years. You know, sort of nonsense. Um, 
I will say that I do like the sort of paradox of I'm going, I'm about to die in my dream, and but I also can't sleep, and I feel like I'm going to die in real life due to having a bump ticker, right? So, mm. I mean, I do like this kind of, like, paradox there, uh, or, you know, a bad position that he's in. Uh, you know, I like the idea of sequential dreams. I like, you know, I'm not against any of it. It just doesn't go anywhere. No, it sort of feels... Look, a lot of it's out of context. And there's no theme to it as well. Like, it's not like he's... The thing with a lot of these has been, like, you know, someone's paying for something or, you know, it's an eye for an eye and we'll come across some of those down the line. But Or, or there's there's going to be this thing of, like, fate or something. Like, there's a, there's a theme to this. It, like you say, it just doesn't seem to mean anything. Like, you know, it, it's like dreams. Dreams are cool. Let's do a dream. <laughs> um, yeah, Exactly. Right, and and he thinks that uh, you know Mara is trying to kill him in the dream, you know, and and there is a sort of like creepiness of like, oh, of course all your care, and I thought of Inception too, sort of like, of course all your characters in your dream are aware that of who you are, right? Like yeah. this sometimes happens because your brain knows intimate things about you, and so therefore random strangers in your dreams are like oddly familiar or. Yeah. Also interested in, you know, Transformers toys or something, yeah. you know. But again, it comes to this thing of like, there's a sideshow. Mm. And again, you know, where she's presented as like the cat lady or uh, something mm. like that. And again, you think, okay, so then she's going to be like feline or there's going to be like a feline theme or that. No, but even that like doesn't seem to have any resonance or impact on anything that's going on. I don't know. The purpose, but the the sideshow could be anything, because mm-hmm. she doesn't even look like you know. He's like, oh, you got to wait till you get inside. There's more, but you'll see this the cat lady. It's just some lady in a dress, like <laughs> dancing. <laughs> like it's not. It's yeah. If that was my enticement for a sideshow, I'd be a bit like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not convinced. Like you know. <laughs> it, I don't know. But that sort of seems to sort of that's the whole of this episode. Where I'm just like, yeah. You know you. you <laughs> There's the germ of something here, but it's never played out. Yeah, and you're kind of waiting for that theme to appear, right? Especially, like, on the roller coaster, and she says, come on, it's fun. And then he narrates, like, I know that she's going to kill me, but I can't say no. And it sort of, like, doesn't match up to what you're seeing, that he does not seem reluctant in the dream. And then she's telling him to jump. And, again, that's kind of creepy, right? And Mm. it echoes the, you know the uh window in the skyscraper and it's kind of creepy but like you say there's no you know you think like is this about him being paranoid that people are trying to kill him and that he can't have fun or something no that's just a thing that happens yeah yeah it's that it's just it's not the thing is it's not production was it feels like the rest of the series Mm-hmm. It fits in. And again, I was like, again, digging and going, okay, so what's the point of this episode? And the only thing I can think about is, like, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because he's the one that's like, well, I can't fall asleep because if I fall asleep, I die. But then if I go into my dream, like you say, if I go into my dream, I die. But it's him that keeps giving in to the things, like going on the roller coaster. So, mm-hmm. you know, as he's retelling, or he, he, you believe he is recounting this story. He's not recounting because he's actually asleep. But that's the problem. Like if he was recounting this and then 
you know, he was able to give in to sleep at the end or something like, you know, then they'll be like, okay, there's this thing of giving in. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, you know, he's been trying to do avoid this thing or whatever. There'd be something there. But the fact is, even that doesn't seem to play out because it turns out that he's asleep anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah, and it's, it's sort of like M. Night Shyamalan's sort of cheap twist, you know. Um, not that all of his twists really are like that, but that's the stereotype. Mm. And I found myself thinking of sort of the first episode of sort of where is everybody. Yeah. Now there, it's also all a dream or a hallucination, but at least it you have two things. You have the theme of isolation, mm-hmm. right? Which is then reflected within that hallucination. And then you have like the dials and, and things like this that are supposed to echo within that. And we talked about how that wasn't greatly done. They could have done a better job of that. But at least that stuff was there. Here it's like somebody saw the script for that episode and said, Oh, see, you know, you can do anything in there. I can, you know, and just didn't catch that theme of isolation and was just like, okay, having the secretary be in the dream and all of that is, aha, in another dream. Yeah, that's good enough. Yeah. It's almost like, because the thing about that first one as well, um, is anybody there, is that that it's also given context. You find out that the reason for the isolation is this, is this isolation experiment to try and take, send someone to the moon. So it's not just sort of like everything's giving a purpose. Like you say, it, it could have been done better. There was things that it had weaknesses, but at least it had all those things you're looking for. This doesn't even have that. Like this episode like, mm-hmm. doesn't have a purpose. Like you know, why did he start having these dreams? Did what's triggered this thing? Like you know, is it is he has he done something? Is it a guilty conscience? Is it that you know if this was to come in and it was to come out that like he killed someone with his car and so it was the guilt playing on him and now it's sort of like you know it's this thing of he keeps seeing this character or something else. Like then fine, I'd be you know like okay, that's what it is. It's playing into that. But it's just sort of like I've started having bad dreams. He basically comes across like a child. Like I'm having nightmares and I don't want to go to bed. Like my eight year old, no, she, if that has happened, like tough, you know, get some sleep, you'll be fine. It's a dream. Like granted, it doesn't, but I don't know. It just feels meaningless, really. It sort of, it just sits there. Yeah. And it feels unpolished in his themes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we're left to believe that. Remember, there's that whole thing with the painting of the sailing ship. And we're left to believe that, I guess it's like, you know how, like, we see all these childhood programs today that are like, you know, golly gee, kids, use your imagination. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, basically, his mom did that to him with a painting and said, imagine that it's moving, sort of, if you look carefully, it's moving. And what he found was, like, I can't control my imagination. And I can sympathize with that. I, you know, I, I have, uh, I, you know, I often, because I have insomnia and out of the corner of my eye, I'll think there's movements and I'll think mm. there's insects. There's, you know, there's a, a mouse there or something. Or I have paranoid thoughts as I'm falling asleep. But so I, you know, again, there are things that are sort of like evocative or done well, you know, in the moment, but there's no overarching theme of like ah oh, this is the danger of the imagination or something and for all we know that whole thing with the 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 ending twist has eradicated everything in the episode so for all we know that whole thing about his mom and the sailboat or could it be sailing false right exactly 
And that's the problem I have it because I was going to say that is that well he does recount that, but you find out that he's recounting that in his dream, right? Um, and again, all I kept thinking of because you know, I thought about imagination when I was in this, and the funny thing is, it made me think of the Red Dwarf episode um, we we obviously did you know many many moons ago when Lister gets some space virus and you get a representation of his ego and his you know self loathing sort of thing. And I was like, you know, you need a representation of something. There needs you've got this woman, but you need to know what she represents. You know, is she representing his guilt? Is she representing his sort of like untamed imagination? Is it is it what is she supposed to be in this dream? And it you know, it just it, it doesn't mean anything. Like if she was given something or like you say, if it was dropped in that she was to, to represent something, then I think you could pick up on that and you could deal with it. But other than that, it just doesn't seem to work. Yeah, and she seems to obviously, I mean, for me, she seems to represent a sort of like unfulfilled sexual desire. Uh, and it's worth noting that we don't know really anything about this main character. Is he, you know, we know he had a mom at some point who mm. said, look at that painting. Even that is only in the dream, you know, the dream too, right? Um, but, you know, is he married? What is his relationship to to women, to imagination? What is his uh, job? What is mm. his profession? We don't know anything. How did, did, have, has he been to the psychiatrist before? I found myself confused by the whole revelation of the secretary because I thought you just passed her on your way in. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And maybe that's what you know. Is that supposed to be that he just inserted her into the dream and that was it? I don't know, but. It doesn't seem. It just doesn't hold together. It's the first one, as you say, in the series where I'm like, mm, "This one feels a little bit thrown together." Mm. I'm not sure it works, uh, which is a little disappointing. Like, you know, again, like the scenes, you know, like when it's at the theme park or the the, the sort of the you know uh, fair or whatever it is, it's put together well to look creepy. Yeah, you know, like they've designed the, the set design and the way it's filmed is actually really effective. Like it looks cool, it looks it looks other and odd, but it, it because it doesn't have an impact. It doesn't have an impact because it doesn't seem to mean anything. Where I'm like, okay, this would be cool, but you know, I, I want I want it to have more of an impact. Yeah, no, I agree completely. The one final thing that I suggest is that you know, I mean, this was made as the 10th episode or the ninth episode mm. of a show in 1959, you know, that, you know, has good production values for 1959. It's surreal. Like, you know, some of the stuff that I like most is the sort of like carnival esque sort of mm. like freakish, you know, nature of that amusement park. Um, and, you know, it was a half hour episode to sell cigarettes that was never made again, you know, yeah. or never expected to air again. So, you know, having said that, you know, like at least it, it does some imagery or something, but. No, I agree. It, it, it's okay to look at, but it doesn't seem to go anywhere. Um, and I don't think there's much more to say really about that one. I think that, that's it really. So perchance to dream, um, one of the sort of the lesser episodes, but uh, hopefully you've enjoyed our thoughts on it. And if you're watching along, hope you, you know, see that, I'd be interested to see what you think, you know. Uh, was it a dream or was it a nightmare? You let us know. Um, but anyway, as usual, Julian, thank you very much. Um, more Twilight conversation to come. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll speak to you in the next episode.
perchance to dream, more like perchance to crap all over it. <laughs> Thank you.